You know, the world right now is a really unsettled place. And for such a time as this, women play a most important role in history as peacemakers. The goal of Ladies of Liberty Sound Off is to affect the lives of women in an empowering way through discussion of important issues of the day. So, are you ready? The Ladies of Liberty are ready to sound off. Welcome to Ladies of Liberty Sound Off, and I think we're going to have a gangbuster show today. I have Elisa Akrangold and uh, Jean Llewellyn with me today, one in Connecticut, one in California, and I am Linda Martinelli from Texas, and we are going to be talking about all things election. This is the time of year. This is the thing to talk about. We're in the meat of it. We're almost there. And there's a lot happening. So the first thing I want to talk about, ladies, is how about that debate between Dr. Oz and Mr. Fetterman? I was absolutely shocked, Linda. I could not. I can't get over the fact that this is a candidate. I'm talking about Fetterman, a candidate who is so impaired and so clearly incapable and and really unsuited to be a, a US senator how on earth does do they do they justify putting up a candidate like that i mean we already have joe biden who's clearly incapacitated why are we continuing to go down that path now i'm not saying i don't necessarily think that dr oz is the greatest candidate ever um but there's there's clearly even no matter where you lean, whatever party you're you're aligned with, there's no way you can have a senator like that. I don't get that. Do you? No, I don't. I think that it's lowering the bar uh, across the bar, and I think the frightening thing is is that you know that these these front men, the Bidens and the and the Fettermans, they're not going to be running the show. Fetterman could no more stand up at the podium and speak on the Senate floor than he could hold that debate last night. So it's a placeholder for the Democrats to try to maintain the bigger picture, which is a majority in the Senate. They don't, he's the, and this is how sad it is, uh, uh, that that's all they have. I mean, you know, where are the Kennedys? Where are the, there was, there was great men in the Democrat party in the past. I may not have agreed with them politically, but they were, you know, and there was always a tragic backstory to most of them. But nonetheless, you know, we've we've fallen from the from the from the tree so far from from that from that place. But the, the one thing that I find very interesting, the Oz and Fetterman debate and the and the difficulties that Fetterman had in not only being able to uh, articulate his 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 policies, if, if you could say he has any. But also what those frameworks all he has is is this uh you know uh, against the victim and for the criminal and all of these things he's made very very well known some of which he's totally backpedaling on which is you know he's documented multiple times being fracking for example he went on and decided that he could just flip-flop and say oh no i'm for fracking when he's been documented dozens of times saying he's completely against it you had the Kathy um, Hoschel and, and Lee Zeldin. And in, I didn't see any huge difference between Fetterman and, and, um, and Hochul because both of them are representing the same extremist left um, uh, anti, anti-victim, you know, 
she had the audacity to say in that debate, what what are you so upset about with the crime? Oh, I know. Governor. I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? Who are these people? How what? And I don't care if New Yorkers are Democrat, independent, libertarian or whatever. Those are the issues. Those are the sound bites that completely change the tide. The the guy in uh, uh, Pennsylvania who said parents don't have any right to, oh, to be yeah. involved in their children's. Right. The entire election tr- turned on a dime on that statement. So I think Kathy Hochul buried herself. And I think Fetterman did as well, because you, you can't. You can't repaint that picture. You can't not see um, and not hear those comments by those people. And um, I happen to think Dr. Oz, he's a businessman. He's uh, articulate. He's a surgeon for crying out loud. So he, you know, like talk about attention to detail, right? You know, shoulders and head head and shoulders above these other candidates. Here's the, I have two comments about this. So first of all, the reason that, Fetterman wanted this one debate so late in the game is so that most people could have uh, voted absentee by now before they see him. So we are, we as Republicans are hurt by that because over 600,000 people have already voted. But secondly, my husband and I were having a conversation in the car that I think that lots of Americans are thinking to themselves, so I'll say it out loud. What on earth is the reason that these these elections, like Fetterman and Dr. Oz, like Herschel Walker and uh, Warnock, yeah. like Kathy Hochul and uh, what Lee what is what's Lee Zeldin? Lee Zeldin, Lee, right? Yeah. Um, and and a few others around the country. How could these be so close? How could they be if people in America? regardless of their, their uh, anything, regardless of anything, regardless of their Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, regardless, regardless of their uh, male, female, regardless of their race, regardless of any, anything, just look at the mess we're in and you have to make a change. So how is it that Americans are, are they ignorant? Are they uh, uninformed? Are they just um, out of touch? Or or do they really want this progressive type of politics where crime is, you know, is rampant? I mean, Kathy Hochul is so far away from how the people in New York City really live and what they're dealing with day to day. And some of these other people are. Fetterman has never had uh, a decent job. He's never had to pay for a home. He's never had a business to run. He's, these are people that, that are not in touch with the majority of Americans. And yet these races are razor close. And in every one I just mentioned, the Democrat is still ahead by a little bit. I just, I don't understand that as a woman, I don't want these people teaching my children what they're teaching them in school. I need to worry about the price of groceries and the price of gas. I need to worry about being able to support my family. Aren't these the values that we all think about every day? And how are these races so darn close? I was having the that exact conversation with my husband as well. 
I cannot also, I, I have the same, we, I, I think we are, we're talking the exact same language in our house as well. I look at this Hochul race and I live right outside of New York. There is not a day that goes by that someone somewhere, and this is the only, these are only the ones that we're hearing about. Someone somewhere is not getting stabbed in the subway system or shoved in front of a train or beaten up and raped. And it's every single day. And all of her ads were all about align how how uh, Lee Zeldin was aligned with Trump and aligned with you know the abortion decision. She has based her entire campaign on Trump and abortion, and it has the, first of all the the whole Trump issue has nothing to do with our lives these days, nothing at all. And they are hanging on to that as a campaign issue, which I think is an enormous loser for them. I think the polls are skewed, and I think they're skewed by the media. Um, and I think that people are, you know, maybe not a hundred percent yet. I, I, they're paying attention, but you know, it always comes down to those last couple of weeks. Um, and I think we're going to start to see the polls changing. Um, the, the whole Lee Zeldin, by the way, is so articulate on the crime issue. And that is like the number one thing going on in New York right now. And especially the DA that we have, this guy, Alvin Bragg, oh, who yeah. has been, Oh, yeah. Just let all the criminals out. No bail, no nothing. And all these people go out and commit this horrible crimes the very next day. And people are angry about it here. People are angry. There's no quality of life in the city. I don't even want to go to the city to go out for dinner anymore. And no, I, live I won't. I won't either. Yeah. I, won't, I won't come to New York anymore. No, so many people feel that way. It's really sad. So I'm also I've also been watching this race in Arizona with, the, with those two women, Carrie Lake and Hobbs. Carrie Lake is she is on fire, that woman. And I don't see how she's not killing it in the polls. I do not understand that either. So, I mean, here's a woman who is so savvy. She's got the media background. She's so in control of everything that they throw, everything, every question the press throws at her. She's got a very strong comeback backed up with, you know, information that she pulls out of her head immediately. Um, she thinks so quickly on her feet. And yet the other woman she can't even barely form a sentence and doesn't want to go anywhere near a debate with Carrie Lake. And it's so clear and obvious why. And I just don't, I think that more people are, have got to be thinking the way, the way we're discussing right now than it, than is showing. Well, I think the, I think the, 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 uh, the difference, I guess, is that um, it, it is who's responding to these polls. So there's a, a, a very popular pollster that was kind of on the fringes. His name's Robert uh, 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 Calhoun. Calhoun. Um, and he's uh, doesn't do things the way most of the pollsters do, but yet he's been, he's been correct going back uh, uh, many of these uh, presidential and, and, and mid midterm elections. And uh, I read an article that he wrote like, several years back about it. And his, and it's only been, uh, um, uh, exacerbated by the Trump phenomena, and that is that people are afraid to be to go public with their with their political uh, 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 leanings because of the backlash and the censorship. And do you the, think that that's true, Jane? Uh, yeah, really? Because see, okay, I, I I don't I don't see that because nobody would know if I answered a poll. So why why would that? I I well, ignore them. True. But that's not true, um, Linda, because a lot of times these polls are specifically mailed out with your uh, your electorate number because they all have our information and our streets and our phone numbers and how we voted in the last 1500 elections. 
All of that information is public. It's all out there. So when these pollsters call you and say, hey, do you have 15 minutes to answer 60 questions? Number one, who does that? So the people that are responding to that oftentimes are the people who say, yeah, I'll take I'll, I'll take uh, surveys. They sign up for the surveys. So because they're either doing it because it's monetized or they don't have anything better to do with their life. So so you've got a skewed pool of people responding, number one. And number two, de depending on what their level of paranoia is. Um, I, I, okay, I'm in California. It's a little bit different out here, but I have many, many people who rely on their client base, which is still fairly diverse out here. They don't want to embark on, pol on politics because they fear it's going to cost them um, business. And although it's been worse in, in, from, from like, I don't know, 2018, when things were really at the height, the reasons that the 2020 even happened, it, it's starting to get blown up now, mm -hmm. but I think it's still an issue. So the, the, the scuttlebutt of this article and people that were analyzing it is that you, 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 the reason that you can't trust the polls is because you can't trust the people who are answering the questions to the polls. And that's why so many of them were so wrong in the past. And um, so I think that there's other indicators um, that we need to look at and just kind of scratch our heads with common sense, number one. And there's so many other people that are out there on the streets with microphones saying, what are the kitchen table issues? Because we have such, it's such a clear choice right now between these candidates. We saw it in the debate last night. I mean, these aren't, this isn't, um, uh, you know, a billion dollars to this cause or that cause. This is, you know, are you going to let the murderers out of jail? Are you going to spit in the face of the victims and the victims' families? Do you, you know? Do you not care that 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 the people can't get to work because they can't use the the subway because they're afraid of getting murdered, thrown in front of a, a? I mean, these are huge, very clear, very easily to articulate issues that 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 you you'd have to be living under a rock to not understand what, what's at stake here. So I think that those that were emotionally vested in Trump aren't so much anymore because they don't care that he has a rally and has supporters. I think that the message of MAGA and America First is truly starting to make a difference in people's lives and they're starting to get it. Because re remember the famous words, are you better off now than you were, you know, four years ago. And my God, think of what we're going to be like in four years of Biden. What, what, what will people be thinking then? It, it'll and, be and yet absolute the poll, no brainer. And yet the polls are for Kathy Hochul. It still shows her ahead of Lee Zeldin and for everybody else I spoke about. So that's, that is what is confusing and scary to me is that are people so disengaged that, that the, just the idea of being a Democrat is is more important than your lifestyle, than your safety. I, I just don't understand why the polls are not showing an overwhelming um, turn towards the right. And that being said, I worry again about the, you know, the fraud in the elections because it's already being discovered in a number of areas. So... I, I don't have confidence that everything is going to come out fine. I do have confidence that that the House will go to the Republicans. 
Um, I believe the Senate will as well by maybe one seat. But boy, it's just it's just nip and tuck here on some of these races. Uh, Oregon is another one with with their governor, uh, their governor's race there. And uh, Chicago is another one with their governor's race where you have uh, uh, what's Pataki? What's his name? Pataki um, out in front of, of that race. Uh, or Pritz, Pritzker? Pritzker. Pritzker. Yeah, yeah Pritzker. sorry. Um, out in front by far in that race. And Chicago is a train wreck with crime. And now they have this new act going into effect starting January 1st that he signed that is called SAFE. And it it is the first, I mean, it is the worst thing that they could do to, to that particular area of the country with the crime that they have now that they'll be letting everybody out with no bail and they will be determining subjectively if the person is a flight risk and and they will be letting people go out and not have any repercussions if they have a, an ankle monitor uh, for 48 hours they won't do anything this person who just killed two pediatric nurses in Texas was on an ankle monitor. It didn't take him 48 hours to go take the lives of two perfectly innocent women. Yet this is what they want to do in Chicago. Why are the Chicagoans not, and the Illinois people not vastly in the corner of the competitor here in this governor's race? This just boggles my mind. I don't understand the American people and, and why we want to put up with this. Why are we willing to put up with this? Why are we thinking that this is all okay? I, I'm totally confused by this. Don't miss an episode of the Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. Subscribe to the podcast. And for the latest news and inspiration, join us back at AmericaOutloud.com. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulvidone iodine-based nasal spray, Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. 
It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Well, I, you know, I keep thinking maybe there is, those, all these stories are, are buried because you guys, you heard about the story, Phil Knight, the guy, the head of Nike, who he made major donations to the anti-democratic candidate. And, you know, Nike has been historically like extremely woke and liberal. And that was a big deal that he came out in Oregon and, you know, and and supported the, um, you know, the, the non-democratic candidate. So I thought that that was an enormous you know, Boone, plus all these ma ma major massive companies are leaving Illinois. You know, that's been that's been going on now for the, you know, pretty much most of 2022. So I think that there's going to be a backlash. I just I, I don't have the answer. I like I don't understand myself why the polls are not indicating this. But then again, like I read just the other day, Nancy Pelosi said you'd be I, I can't she she you know, she said I am. She said, I cannot understand how somebody could vote for a Republican. Well, I was like, what What don't you understand about that? Like, how could you not understand that? So maybe some of these Democrats, they have just they it's in their blood to vote Democrat and they can't see themselves doing anything but that. Um, and so maybe that's why the polls just it's very hard for them to pull, you know, a lever that's not a Democratic lever. But maybe that's going to change in this election. And I do think it I do think it's going to. I don't even think it's so much the fact that, you know, traditionally in the midterms, it always goes to the you know, the you always have a, a if a, a Democratic president, you've always got a red wave. If you've got a Republican president, you've got a blue wave. I don't even think it's so much that. I think people are so fed up with the inflation, the cost of living, the crime is out of control. And, you know, to let somebody out of jail without bail, you know, is beyond it just it's hard to even talk about it because you can't believe how how crazy that is. What on what planet are we living? It's really weird. So my thinking is that other than the polls not being um, accurate, uh, largely due because I think those that are running the polls oftentimes are a part of the media and we know which side of the tracks the media, the media falls on. Um, you can get so much mileage out of orange man bad, which I think they've pretty much rolled that out like a thin pastry um, from before, trying desperately with the, the Mar-a-Lago uh, raid and now with the trying to bring him in on the January 6th uh, thing, which I don't think is going to get any October surprise out of it because they're rolling the hearing until after after the election. Uh, and I don't think it's going to happen unless it can be televised live because what, you know, it'd be totally useless because who will believe it if it's not to see what they're, what kind of their stuff they're pulling. But I, I think that our other problem is indicative to why we're in the place we are anyway and not just with biden in office because that's kind of a swamp issue so to speak but where we're at with education uh slackered policy on immigration that's gotten us to the place that we're at 
And that's that we haven't had decisive movement on these key issues for decades in our Congress. And if you look at who's been being elected to the congressional seats, you know, you've got Stacey Abrams, you've got, um, uh, you know, you've got these people that are out there, the Fettermans of this world, the, these, if they're not living in a, a career politician tower, they're uh, coming from the cloth of attorneys and, um, and, and that ilk. Um, and I think what we're seeing now, certainly in California, in my little neck of the woods, I've got business people, um, moms and teachers and grassroots, salt of the earth people who are saying enough and they're throwing their hat in the ring and they're immigrants, they're first generation immigrants. They're people who are saying, I came from the failed state of, of Yugoslavia, you know, whatever it was, and I don't want to see it happen here. Um, I have a friend that's that's gone from the uh, from the behind the Iron Curtain to South Africa to uh, to the U.S. and and it's just like he you know the comment is it's like following me I can't get rid of it where will I go next if America falls so there's so many people that have woken up literally and I think that they're getting and they're engaging um, they're not watching CNN they're turning on to the podcast. Um, they're, they're under, you know, people are leaving the party in droves and becoming independents and hopefully some libertarians, but, but you've got this swell of, of movement happening, but it's like turning the Titanic. And hopefully before we go off the waterfall, we'll be able to right the ship a little bit. And, um, you know, Trump had all the right policies. Um, sadly, he didn't have Congress behind him when they did have the House and the, and the Senate. And so we were stymied to be able to really move the needle forward on on policies that would correct the malaise of the Obama years. And and yet we had rocket ship performance across the board on so many, so many issues. So with the strength of the mega movement now and how people are understanding how important it is to have an America first policy. I think that we're going to be able to see um, a, a Congress and a Senate that's behind mega and will be able to push through and get some of this hard work done. I, 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 I hope McCarthy has it in him and he's taking his vitamins because his list is growing every day with the stuff that, that needs to be done, the house cleaning that needs to be done. But if we can, if we can get four years out of maybe a Trump and then eight years out of a DeSantis it, with strong governors coming into play this, this season and next, we've got a chance to really get some solid economic strength underneath our wings to fight against uh, the global economies of Russia and China and some of this other stuff that's going on and set a precedent that's, that's solidified, you know, however it needs to be done. Maybe it's a constitutional amendment. Maybe it's just good solid laws in place because this executive order BS it can't be the way we rule the land because you get one guy coming in making these executive orders and then the next guy comes in and, you know, and uh, Cancel, cancels them all. Them all. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You can't, you, you can't run a ship that way. So, no. so we've got to have the strength and the fortitude, the huevos, as I say, of a Congress who's willing to step up and get the hard work done. If we don't get immigration policy in, and it's not just about the wall and stopping the inflow, we got to deal with the millions 
that have come across now and are, are like it or not, they're a part of our society. You know, I agree. I think it's going to have to be done over a period of time. It's going to have to be done through Congress and it's going to have to be done. You know, we, we've we got to get, um, you know, the Democrats out of office in order to make some changes. Their policies are failed and it's leading the country in the absolute wrong direction. That's for sure. But can I bring something up off the topic of politics for just a second? Sure. Because um, didn't you tell me, Linda, that it's Jean's birthday? definitely not going to ask you how old you are but let's just say it's 35 and <laughs> let, and my question is you know do you have any thoughts or any you know any insight as to things you you would tell your 25 year old self oh my gosh i know uh, that's that's a little bit of a loaded question for me. I had uh, I had a very adventurous and um, kind of unique uh, uh, youth from that stamp of my twenties. Um, I left my home in California and traveled the world for several years, and then ended up working abroad for several more years after that. So. Um, I pretty much can honestly say I wouldn't have changed a thing. I feel very lucky and very blessed that a I came out of it all of it with five, fing ten fingers and ten toes, um, and also I think a, a kind of a unique um, overview or philosophy on on life and and not having shoulda coulda wouldas, and um, so I think that. Uh, my advice, if, if it would, if you could say it would be advice, would simply to be trust, trust your gut more. Um, don't hesitate. And there were, uh, you know, I still have a couple of things of the things that got away, a, a business dealing here, maybe a relationship there, those types of things in the past where there was, where I hesitated. And I think that that's, you know, for, for everyone coming up with the reasons why we can't do something are, are, are so much more heavily weighted than sitting down and coming up with the reasons why we should do something. And I think it's, it's kind of just a flip of, of a, of a philosophy of life of, of, you know, how to look at things that way. So it would be to, um, to, to take, take the, the calculated, but take the risk um, and go for it and, and live your life. Like it, every day was, you know, was it building upon your past, not, not disregarding your, um, uh, you know, save 10% of your salary kids and put it away in a savings account. <laughs> but, uh, you know, take that other 80% and really make it work for you. And, um, uh, and that's, I think what, uh, what I would, what I would say. Oh, well, and, and, and maybe um, change your hairstyle. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. What would you, what have you done though in your life? If you've ever felt like you were in a rut? of some sort, or you made a bad decision? How did you, how did you effectively come out of that? Um, gosh. Um, well, um, I, my second marriage was 15 years and, um, uh, probably a little longer than it, that it, that it should have been from that standpoint. Um, very, very difficult, um, when you have children and you're going through those things, but I realized that, um, uh, several things lined up. I lost my parent, my one parent to cancer, and um, I lost a dear friend, my best friend from from for years and years of metastasized breast cancer. 
um, before her 50th birthday. And life changes like that make you sit down and really take stock. And I realized that that I wasn't my mother and that I didn't have to live my life like she did um, uh, from the standpoint of the type of marriage that she had. And I decided that I, I deserve more, I, that, I, that I wanted to give both my ex-husband and myself the opportunity to find something that was a better fit for ourselves. And, um, and so, again, you have to listen to those gut, those gut instincts and if you know yourself, and this is a, this is a health issue as well. When you know your body, when you start experiencing changes, that's when you need to start paying attention because something's going on. When you used to, uh, you know, uh, last thing that I've just gone through, when you could eat ice cream at any time of the day or night, not have a problem with it. And suddenly you can't eat ice cream anymore. It's like, you have to accept the fact that, well, I guess now I'm lactose intolerant, right? And it's like, <laughs> You, you have to listen to the signs, right? And, and, and take them for, for that. So, um, uh, you know, it's a lot of gut-wrenching, soul-searching, um, uh, you know, praying, hitting your knees and asking for God's help in, in finding a path through the tough things that we face in our lives. Um, and if we remain true to those methods, I think most people that I know, much worse situations that I've ever experienced, um, there's peace that can be found in that and, and satisfaction that you're, you're doing the best that you can and you're making the best decisions that you can make. What do you think, Linda? What do you do when you can't get out of a rut? You know, the first thing I do is I think about the rut. I think about what is this rut? Why am I in this rut? Um, what am I really feeling? Because a lot of times for me, it's it's not about what I think it's about. So first I square that away with myself. And a lot of times that really makes a big difference because it's not what I thought about it was at all. So let, uh, I'll try to give an example. If, if let's just say in business, if I was to um, lose, say, lose a client, um, and, and I get very depressed about that and I take it out on myself, then I would start thinking about, you know, well, what am I really afraid of here? And, you know, the answer might be, you know, I'm afraid of the loss of income or I didn't like letting somebody down or whatever it is. I, I, I find that reason. Once I find that real reason that I'm in a rut, then, then I can resolve it pretty easily. I, I'm, I'm really good at, at doing that. And I never stay in that one place because I realize that there are infinite possibilities in life and that if this road didn't work well, then another one will. And I, I just have a, always had a really uh, get it done, positive attitude about things. And there are certainly things that, that I have failed at um, or that I have struggled with like we all do, but for the most part, I, I I try to do that thing, go over it, go under it, go around it, go through it, and, and get to the other side because there's always something on the other side. And, you know, it, it, it's a reason that I've never so much understood suicide because there's always something good on the other side. And you can get through this time and get on to the next time. There There's... There's infinite possibilities in life. And, you know, I love that about life. It's like a big potpourri for me. It's, 
it's a big candy store where if if I don't like this piece of candy, I can try another one. So, I, I mean, it's a very simplistic way of looking at things, but it it works for me. There are definitely things, Elisa, in my life that if they happened would knock me down. Um, but but I realized that everything is temporary and you know, you, you just, you just get through it and move on. I, I, I appreciate every day I am given in this life and that's how I look at things. Yeah, I, I think so too. Sometimes how about I you? like, I, I will, you know, I have found sometimes when a conflict comes up of, of any sort, I need a day or two to just not address the conflict and just like think about it and let it marinate a little bit so I can kind of see it more clearly. I need some time away from it basically, you know, and then I feel like once I sleep on it for a day or two, I I tend to find that I have a clearer solution and a clearer path to, you know, to, to smoothing things out. Um, and that, that I've learned that a lot lately, you know, or just over the years to, to give, give yourself some time and some space to sort of, you know, think about some of the different ways you can handle it or whatever that, you know, the things that might've caused it, things that are in your control that you could, that you might be able to change. And then things, of course, that are out of your control that you have no control over. And sometimes you just don't have control over it. Um, but I think that just having a little space from it and just, just doing a little bit of reflection helps, helps me a lot. You know, that helps me a lot. Um, I try to tell my daughter that also who's 16 and, you know, that's the most tumultuous time seems like for teenagers. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, you know, it seems like such an enormous deal. Like the world is coming to an end right now, but it is not. And, you know, you just need some space and some time to to think about things and figure out how to manage it and how to move forward. So I, I you know, the whole concept that you mentioned also of suicide, you know, suicide seems to be so rampant about, you know, amongst young people these days. And it's the saddest thing in the world. I feel like I'm constantly reading about somebody who, you know, jumped off the building or, or, you know, a lot of people, even in my community, there was recently a, a high school girl that committed suicide that just knocked everybody for a loop here. And it's so shocking that, that they feel the need to, to take measures like that and that they go through with it. I don't know what's driving that. Well, so many times in those situations, especially with the youth, is they're trying to get rid of the pain. They don't know how to process the emotions. They get themselves in a situation, regardless of what their methodology is, that they've tried think that they've thought through to take it to that state. But they are in a situation where they get to a point where they can't back out of it, even if they wanted to. And so that alone is a very frightening thing. But for the, the mental health issue for kids to be able to understand how to process emotions. And like Linda's saying, the, that there's, when God closes a window, another one is open, that there's always something else around the corner. Things get better. Um, give yourself some time and it dilutes the intensity of whatever the situation is at the moment. All of those tools that, that for whatever reason, we may have had in our tool belt growing up the way we did in the towns and the communities and the churches, communities, that we grew up in, it's lacking in a lot of these children's lives and adults, as we see with our homeless populations. And, and so there's a, there's an element to the soul of, of, of our society and our culture that is, that is depraved. 
so I think something that, that I would tell my younger self and anyone else that's out there that's going through tough times is when you take pause and you look at your situation, and this is something I shared with my, my children as well, you need to look around at the people that you've surrounded yourself with. It makes such a huge difference. If you're the one that's always dragging people up the hill or picking them up because they're too high to drive home or giving them the results for the test or giving them the report to turn in because they didn't do their, their work. If you're always that person, you're holding yourself back from your full potential. And if you can find people that are not only just like-minded, but also that you admire, that you that you see things in them that you would like to aspire to. They don't have to be just your peers. It could be older people as well. It makes such a difference in a life to have that type of example and to have someone to uh, look up to from that standpoint. Um, and I think that that's very important and it may be something that's lacking in our society today, which is why a lot of young people are struggling. Well, I don't, I don't disagree. And you know, the, the other the other part of this is that we in our country uh, have really kind of walked away from organized religion. And I, I know when I was a kid, you know, I had to go to church every Sunday and I had to listen to the, the priest lecture and I went to Catholic school and I, and I had a very good grounding in right from wrong, the 10 commandments and things that my parents taught me that you do and don't do to others. I see such a hopelessness in a lot of people today. A lot of, um, a, a lot of that they don't know where they're going. And, you, you know, I mean, I see a lot of women that are murdering their young children. I see just a lot of terrible things that are so distressing. And, and I really, really believe that the further that we get from God and the further that we get from um, having the things that schools taught us, which they're no longer teaching us, look what they're doing just to, to, to kids now. I mean, they're not teaching them ethics and morals. They're teaching them how to mutilate their genitals and, and how to, uh, basically, they're, they're telling them not to be racist while teaching them to be racist. I... It's got to be a terribly confusing time to be a kid right now. So I, I think that people, they when they're brought up that way, they, they don't know how to process through issues when they happen. And, the, and that's a big problem. And that's part of the parent's job. Somewhat it's been part of the school's job too. But I think, I think we've gotten away from so much of that and back kind of in the day, we also had the churches to fall back on and the, the community of the people that belonged to your church were people to fall back on. We we really have taken a lot of these safety nets away. Um, so that's my thought. You know, I, I have something else on my mind I want to ask both of you ladies. In New York City, and Elisa, you're near there, in Connecticut, New York City, uh, Eric Adams has built these uh, places for illegal immigrants, which it just always cracks me up as a Texan that Eric Adams says, well, we didn't ask for all these people and, and we weren't ready for them and we don't have the facilities for them. As though you think that we in Texas do, that we asked for them, 
that we have the facilities for them. I mean, they, they, these some of these states just crack me up. They have no clue about the reality of what's going on at this border. And as an aside, I will say that there are over 4 million people that have come in to our country in the two years that Joe Biden, not even two years that he's been in office, over 4 million. And that is the people that they have, have actually encountered. The Godaways are probably adding another two to 4 million besides that. That is over the population of five to seven states in the United States. So take five to seven states, depending on how many gotaways there were, and, and just add the entire population of those states to what we're dealing with at the border. And Eric Adams cries about, you know, a few thousand people. So in, in New York, he built these kind of tent city things, put all the cots in, put TVs in, put games they could play, gave, gave them three squares and uh, $500 in their pocket, a cell phone. How about those veterans that are right next door that are homeless that have been on the street for years? How about those guys? I, I'm very, very much insulted that we are not taking care of our American citizens and we are taking care of these people who are flooding over our border out of prisons, out of who knows where to do who knows what in our country. And we're treating them like royalty and our own people are sitting on the street right next door. Quite amazing. Um, it's, you know, if it wasn't so sad, it would be funny that here is Eric Adams, you know, declaring New York to be a sanctuary city. And yet- <laughs> Until he gets an immigrant. <laughs> that's right. Until he gets, you know, one you know, much less 20,000 of them and has no clue what to do with them. You know, he wanted to put, he wanted to put them on a cruise ship in Staten Island. Yeah. He wanted to, you know, he, he was like moving. He's, he had set up a tent in, you know, in the Bronx, um, you know, after he, he had to move them out of the, off the beach. And it's just been so, it's been so horrible. Um, you know, so, so that that is like that is just the ultimate in irony and it's the ultimate in hypocrisy. And to me, it's just the definition of of the liberal party, you know, the, the Democratic Party, who everything is totally fine until it happens to them. And so he he now does not know what to do. Um, you know, there's he, he has been getting a lot of heat because he's put a lot of migrants also in hotels in, in New York City, right next to, you know, very luxurious neighborhood buildings. And people are just outraged at the at the whole thing. Um, I agree with you that it, it's quite amazing to me that we have the border czar, Kamala Harris, who has never been to the border. Or if she has, she's never really, you know, whatever, visited the, the important spots. Um, you know, they talk about how they are, they are, you know, in, working on the immigration crisis. But what are they doing? I don't ever hear anybody in the Democratic Party even bring this up. They don't even talk about what they're going to do. All they do is criticize Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis for sending the migrants in Texas and Florida up north. So I, what, what is their, what exactly is their policy on immigration? Is what I'm, I'm questioning. I mean, is it well, just keep the borders what, open? What policy? 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because all of this is reactionary. None. And this is what I was talking about getting a a Congress and there was some huevos because you, you were behind the eight ball on all of these issues. You're you're yeah, they're incentivizing people coming up in hordes and the caravans and all of that. But but without any framework, without any infrastructure in place at all to take care of it, just let it, you know, consequences be damned. American people be damned. American school children be damned. Nobody's gotten in front of it to say, you know, okay, so if we're upping our immigration, how are we going to handle these people? In my opinion, ever so humble housewife from Southern California, you get the U.S. government who can go and build a freaking city in the middle of the Afghani desert, right? That equals better than most third world countries. So you get them to come in and you find these areas. He found the real estate to do it and you build a city. And then you, what we fail to do with the Afghans is you teach these immigrants how to run that city. So instead of bringing in the DOJ to clean toilets and refrigerators, like we all heard about that news, news, uh, right? They were they were soliciting people from uh, the Upper Eastern Seaboard to come down to the to the border areas and and help out with the the immigrant holding holding areas. So why can't they clean their own refrigerators? Part of the problem, the reason these these people are leaving their homelands and coming up here, is because they have no structure. They have no infrastructure. They're fighting against the the uh, cabals and all of the 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 horrible stuff that's going on in their cities. But they also aren't able to get past maintaining a small business, being a part of a community, figuring out how to structure it so that there's strength in numbers and strength in in their own values. So if they had a safe place without the drug lords coming involved in these areas, maybe they could learn some skills that could then go back to their countries to help build build a better place. And then of course the government can help by, as my opinion, blanket bombing the freaking uh, uh, drug lords down there and, and eliminating the, the, the issue from that standpoint. I mean, we've lost the American dream for our 20-somethings, whatever generation Z, Q, R, whatever they're called themselves. It's been it's been yanked from underneath them. So um, I heard Harris Faulkner on, on Outnumbered the other day saying that when she talks to people, um, she just went down to the border, by the way. Um, I just went down to the border the American too. American dream is for other people. It's not, they, they don't feel like the American dream is something that's that's available to them. Well, I can tell you who does see the American dream it's these immigrants coming up here, but they're going from a shanty town with a tin roof into government housing, government handouts, um, or, or or working at these lower level jobs to try to make their way through our through our system and our society. But we've taken it away from the Americans, and we're we're providing it for these for these immigrants. But the problem is that dependency on having to move back in with your parents because the economy is horrible and you've lost your will to, to, to be an entrepreneur or to get out there in the world, or, or you're depending on the government to take care of you. Both of them are a horrendous lack of freedom. And it puts us all into this, you know, low level labor intensive, good little consumers um, that will never be able to break. There's going to be a new glass ceiling that no one can get above this uber elitist rich 
that uh, is, if we allow, will be making all the rules to keep us down at that level. And if there weren't the jobs and the livelihood for these immigrants that have come up here, and there wasn't the government subsidies to keep them in, in Nikes, they would go back to their countries and slog it out there because there's hope in being able to fix something as opposed to having a lifetime of, of, of service, service level um, jobs and, and maybe the hope that their children will be able to do a little bit better than them in the, in the long run. It, it's it's going to be a problem and it's not going to happen soon. It's going to be over the next decades because all those young kids that are growing up here with parents that probably won't learn the language that are going to be struggling through school, it's going to take generations for those kids to become the, the, uh, the Mexican American that have already done that from the past two or three generations who are now saying they don't want the illegal immigrants in here. They're middle management, they're business people, they're entrepreneurs. They've crawled and fought their way through the system to build their American dream. And they're seeing this, this other drain on everything that they had struggled for um, being handled uh, in a very uh, irresponsible, um, short-sighted way. Well, there are so there are so so many issues with this. Just so many issues with the drugs coming over, and it is the number one cause of death of our kids, of our men, of our uh, women under the age of forty five years old. The number one cause of death is is drug overdoses, and the, there's there is so much wrong with this picture, and we have to somehow put a stop to it. Joe Biden in office for another couple of years just scares the heck out of me, and we have to at least. Um, plug the dike as best we can through this upcoming election, which is how people need to uh, be voting right now. They've, they've got to make a change because this has not just affected America and Americans. This has affected the entire world. And I have to tell you, as somebody that travels overseas, um, that people on the other side of the world are not happy with us and what's going on because how we go, so go they. So go their economies and, and it is hurting the world. Look at what's happening with Mexico, with all of these people coming through Mexico and the cartels who have been enriched and strengthened beyond belief, thanks to Joe Biden. Uh, th this has seriously affected the people in Mexico. It has affected the law enforcement in Mexico. It has affected the jobs of the people in Mexico. It has affected so many things as these people trek through their country. And these are not all good people. They're not sending their best and brightest. You're not seeing doctors and lawyers and uh, skilled mechanics and things coming over the border. You are seeing, in many cases, the worst of the worst, at jails that are emptied out, drug dealers. You're seeing people that, that have nothing to start with in life. They may have good hearts. They may be good people, but they have no language skills, no job skills. They just want to get away from where they're going. There, there's nothing good that can be said about what's happening. And the only thing I can think of right now is that we have got to make a start and turn this around as best we can in this election and then move, and then move forward with something to be hopeful for because we could lose everything that we've worked for in this country 
since the beginning of this country, we could lose very fast. And that's the direction that this particular administration is taking us. It's the direction that these progressive district attorneys, judges, uh, and administrators are taking us. And we need to pay attention to how we're voting. This cannot be a Democrat, Republican, you know, well, I've always voted Democrat, so I'm just going to keep doing that. These are not the Democrats of yesteryear, as you ladies pointed out earlier in our conversation. They are a new breed of George Soros progressive people who want to change us into a socialist country, one world order, change everything so that there are the elite at top and the rest of us are underneath. And that's what they want to do. We don't want that for our children here. We really, really need to pay attention. Well, ladies, that's a wrap. One more step for womankind. 